Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're going to gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're going to hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged, and really inspired you. We want to hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Welcome back to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerriere, and today I am speaking with Laura Todd. I'm really excited to have Laura on the show because this is one of my favorite, my favorite versions of how we create a guest. Laura reached out after hearing the show and she said, I have a best boss that I'd really love to talk about. And so for me, this is this is the perfect way to use this platform is to shine a light on fantastic bosses that are creating a difference. So Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I'll give you a chance to introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you for having me. My name is Laura Todd. I work for Baxter Corporation. And, and like Christine said, I had actually heard the show from a referral. And it really hit me because I'm just kind of stepping into senior leadership. And I'm always looking at how I can be that best boss. And so it's interesting to hear different perspectives. So I think this is a resource that that we need. And I think it will be really helpful for others to, to hear different perspectives and, and what drives everybody else. Who sent you the show? Yeah. So my best boss ever, Fiona, actually sent me the show. And she is always sharing different resources with me, which I think kind of feeds into our mentorship relationship. And once she sent it to me and I started listening, the irony was kind of killing me because I thought, well, I, I think Fiona's that for me. And so I'd love to share kind of my experience with Fiona and just how how she really inspired me. Amazing. So do tell us more. Obviously, my first question is always, who's your best boss? Sounds like we have her identified. Tell us a little bit more about Fiona. What is it like to work with her? And what are some of the things that really make her a best boss? I can remember my interview with Fiona like it was yesterday. I remember she kind of walked into the room, started a casual conversation with me. I think she asked me maybe two to three questions with some open dialogue in between. And within about three to four hours after that meeting, I had a job offer presented to me. And so my upfront kind of interaction with her showed her decisiveness and her bias for action. And I think that oftentimes we see kind of the slow bureaucratic movement of, of how things can go and her ability to really push things forward and, and, and know when she's kind of had that connection was a really great first impression. And then the next great impression I had was when I met the team. So I remember going in and, and they had a weekly meeting where it was kind of the operations leadership team and they all did round table and they had an agenda. And I remember looking around the room and thinking, oh man, these people are smart. And I, I, I'm sure people have heard it, but you never want to be the smartest person in the room. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I felt like I was just surrounded by the most high functioning team. And I think that's a really important tribute to their leader because she ultimately kind of assembled that team and made them and motivated them into who they were. She showed that you can bring a diverse group together and that doesn't mean it's always going to succeed. And so I think it's a, it's, it's definitely a tribute to, to her leadership in that sense. And that right there speaks volumes, you know, but it's not just her leadership. You know, a lot of people shine a light on their best boss, but what I think is really interesting is when you're looking around at the people that you're working with, they're performing at a pretty incredible level. And so that's, that's also pretty, like you said, very impressive because she assembled that and created that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's kind of her, I would say I think she would actually attest to that as well, that her legacy is always her high functioning teams. 
and that she wants to assemble those high functioning teams and she wants to be the leader that takes them to that next level. And it, it was just clear right off the bat. It was clear the way they worked together. It was clear the way they challenged each other. There was always respectful challenges, people willing to question each other, ask uncomfortable questions. And I think that you need to have an environment that that feels safe. And that's not always the case. And so again, just kind of a tribute to to how she led the team was visible right off the bat. If we could, I mean, obviously she's not here right this moment, but if we could pick her brain on how she procures those people for the team, do you have any thoughts now that you've kind of watched her in action? So when she's talking to people, she truly listens. And I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's really easy to always be kind of thinking of what's coming next and not being present in the moment. And she she listens to people, she observes, and she trusts her network. And that's, I guess, another aspect of this is that a lot of her team came through referrals through other members of her team. And when you, and when you trust the people that you've brought in, they like working for you and they want to bring in other high-performing talent. And so it's almost like a magnet. And I think that Fiona has created a little bit of a magnetic field around her where she attracts good people because she's good to work for. See, that's incredible. So I'm always looking for what is the real meaty benefit of having a best boss? Obviously I'm working with leaders who are trying to aspire to be best bosses. And it's always a trick of what is the, the metric, right? What is the financial benefit to the business by having a best boss versus just a good one? Right. But, but when you say that immediately, it, it just gets me excited because it's such a perfect example that her being a best boss is such a huge talent attraction. So then that team by nature is going to perform head and shoulders above. Yeah. And and to your point, I mean, I think oftentimes the PL reflects the leadership style. And so if you can create that strong team, that is directly reflected both qualitatively and quantitatively, because you're going to see it at your bottom line. And the other thing is, is that the financial aspect of companies isn't just their success, but their predictability. And that's another aspect of Fiona that she was really strong with is she always knew what was going on with her business at all times because she wasn't afraid to get into the details. And so if I felt like I had something that was on the horizon or something that she should be privy to, her door was always open. She was always willing to listen. And I know that it's easy when you, as you move up into senior leadership to forget that the people below you see things you don't see. And so you need to be able to trust your team to guide you. And she always trusted her team to guide her towards what was happening next. And I think that was reflected in her PL being predictable and, and trustworthy. There was no big swings up and down. There was, there was predictability and preparation, which is, which is huge for a business. Amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. I love the business case behind what the, the real benefit, right? There's sure. real meaningful yeah, it's benefit. Tangible. Right. You know, as we were doing a little bit of prep, of course, it caught my ear about how she has supported your career, given the fact that you also have had two children. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is the biggest thing that I will always respect and remember about Fiona and something that I will carry with me throughout my career. I found out that I was expecting my first child a week after I started with Baxter. And so I had this huge opportunity. I was so excited to join Baxter. And I also was so excited to start my family, but my excitement was almost overshadowed by a little bit of guilt around the timing. I was just jumping into this goal and I I felt like I was disappointing the organization and my leader. And so it was very conflicting. And I remember when I got to the point where I was, I was ready to tell Fiona, this is kind of what's going on. 
And I walked into her office and we just started chatting and I, and I told her, and I had this lump in my throat, like, like almost like when you're a kid, you feel like you're going to get in trouble. And I remember she just looked at me with a completely straight face after congratulating me and just said, Laura, women have babies. Women have babies that should not impact your career. And you should never be concerned about what that's going to do to your career. It's not something that we can control. And it's a beautiful part of life. And that was that. And she never treated me different after that point. And and with that being said, I worked really hard for her. I mean, she knew she was going to get nine months out of me. And I wanted to spend those nine months doing the best that I could do for the organization. And three weeks prior to going on maternity leave, she actually presented me with a promotion. And so it actually went into effect while I was on maternity leave, which is fairly unheard of. And it really put some emphasis behind her words. They weren't empty words. They weren't just kind of a stock congratulations. She truly meant it. And she showed me that just because you're going to start a family and just because you need to kind of sit on the bench for a year, doesn't mean that you're going to be held back or that your work is not going to be acknowledged. And I, and that really changed my life. And it was huge for me going into leadership, understanding that, like she said, women have babies and we need to find a way to support them. And we need to find a way to make sure that they don't miss out on opportunities because of that part of life. It's so true. And I mean, men are fathering babies, (laughs) but it's interesting how their wife gets pregnant and they're not having the lump in their throat or they're not feeling sure. sheepish when they walk into their boss's office to to yeah. deliver the news and so it's just such an interesting problem with the equality issue that we face because you know as women i know for me i started with an apology and i had had <laughs> a horrific time getting pregnant so it was just so ironic to be ashamed of oh. getting pregnant Exactly. And, and thankfully I was talked out of that pretty fast where yeah. <laughs> a couple of great, great leaders that I, I work alongside who were just like, this is reason for celebration. And I'm like, it is for like, sure. <laughs> that's all I really want to do is celebrate. But meanwhile, you know, it feels it's, it's hard to not be worried that the perception of you somehow changes. Oh, totally. And I think the big thing to remember is you do change when you become a parent. And that was, I think, another area that Fiona really helped me learn because she's a mother herself. And when, when I was coming back from maternity leave, I had no idea kind of what that was going to feel like. I'm extremely career driven. I love working. I love my career. And I remember coming back from maternity leave thinking, I can't do this. I can't leave my little one. It's it, this is going to kill me. And the way she supported me kind of through that transition, she got me excited about work again, without feeling like I was dropping the ball with my son. And as someone who's heading into leadership and who is now moving into managing bigger teams, I, I didn't understand that. I managed moms and I, and I knew woman to woman, Hey, we have to, they can't five o'clock meetings are right in the middle of dinner. Six right. o'clock is bath time. And right. so this is, yeah. so I knew that, but I didn't know it until I lived it. And so mm-hmm. I think not only her being so graceful with me and her walking me through that, through me living it, I now have such a different empathy and support for women as a leader. And I think that it was just, it, it fundamentally changed me. And and I think she was really the one to, to attribute to that. That's amazing. Any other things that you want to add to that about kind of her leadership and kind of the power of some of the great things that she does? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think the way she empowers her team to do really hard things is done so by understanding who everyone is. So 
the thing I have to remember is when she was kind of changing my life by promoting me and supporting me through this, there were 20 other people on her team that she had to manage that all felt that same support. And so they weren't necessarily going on maternity leave at that time. They weren't necessarily navigating. They were navigating completely different life challenges because as much as it's easy to forget, there's life outside of work. And so her team satisfaction showed that she wasn't just doing that for me. She was doing it for everyone on her team. And that takes her ability to stop and listen to her team and understand what's important to who and when and learn how to honor everybody in a different way that makes them feel like they're a valuable member of her team. How does she do that? Like, how does she, like, is it through flexibility? Is it through, like, how to tell me a little bit more about how she makes 21 of you all feel valued when you're all so different. I think she respects our differences as opposed to trying to make us all be one. And I think it's really easy to try and loop your kind of lump your team together. So for me, what was important to me was that I had fairly strict work hours for drop-off and pickup at daycare. And I wasn't willing to sacrifice that unless it really had to be done. And so she never scheduled meetings outside of those hours with me. She knew that if she were going to send me an email at 7 PM, which she rarely did, that she would know that I would get back to her the next morning with other people. They, they maybe needed to work from home a couple more days a week because of a different, she was flexible. She, she understood that if your job was getting done, it doesn't really matter how it gets done. And so if somebody works really well from four to 7 PM, why are we forcing them to be online in a meeting from eight to 11? And so I think, I think she just enlisted various tools of understanding what everybody needed and being flexible to those needs. And of course there was, we all had to work together and, and find a common ground, but she found a way to, to make a team work well together in all different ways. Wow. Very cool. Just out of curiosity, when you think of your not best bosses, <laughs> maybe you've never had one, but what have you experienced in your career that really didn't work well for you? I can't say that I have a singular kind of worst boss that jumps out at me, but there are aspects of different bosses that I have had that are things that I've kind of filed in the back of my head as I'm not going to do that. Right. (laughs) Um, And so kind of a couple examples of that is you need to be willing to get your hands dirty. And so the biggest thing is you can't ask your team to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. And so I've definitely worked for some leaders that, that aren't interested in the details. They're not interested in kind of how we got here. They want the Coles notes and the Coles notes only. I can give that to anybody who needs that. But at the end of the day, if you only have the Coles notes, you're not understanding how you got there and you're not understanding how you take your team to the next level. And so one thing that's always kind of been important to me and that I still value is I'll get my, I'll get into Excel and I'll, I'll throw together spreadsheets and I'll do the analysis myself if my team needs that. I'll, I'll jump into the tactical side of things because if you're asking your team to do something that you, that you're not willing to do, that is extremely demotivating. And so that's kind of, I would say the big one that jumps out at me. The other one is just treating people like a number, another name on a page. Like I said, it's really easy to forget that we're people, there's more outside of this work. And I think, I think it's important to say, you don't need to ask me. You need to tell me what's going on. And so that was another area that Fiona was very good at is don't ask me if you can make a doctor's appointment. You tell me, Hey, look, I'm going to the doctor's on Wednesday yeah. from 12 to two. I'll be offline. 
Mm-hmm. And you need to trust that your team is, is getting what they need to get done within the parameters that they have set and, and being supportive of that. Cause, cause kind of how, as we touched on, everyone's going through something different. Some have small children that they need to be available for. Some have ailing parents that they need to be available. There's things all over. And so listen to your team and respect your team as people, not just as workers. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think to your point, it's easy when you're just trying to chase metrics and results to forget to slow down enough to acknowledge each person. For sure. And that's, and that's actually some feedback that I have definitely kind of had to learn throughout my time. I'm, I'm fast. What I, when I work, I I get things done quickly. And I think there has been times in my past where I, I forget to bring people along with me. And so Fiona did a really good job sometimes just being like, Laura, stop, just stop and think about the big picture here. And how are you going to bring people along? Because it doesn't matter if you have the best idea, if no one's willing to execute it with you. Right. And so that's another aspect is, is you don't always have to be the first one with the best answer. You need to be the person who can get the group to get the job done and do it together. Amazing. We already talked about metrics, which I think you did a fantastic job of kind of explaining what that force field can look like when you're attracting in great talent and you're able to retain them and get them to really be these high performing teams for you. I think you've really answered that question for me. So I'm just going to come to, you know, kind of one of my closing questions, which is if you had to teach or advise future leaders on how to be a best boss, give me some really tactical advice. Like how could they implement this in a very useful way. Get to know your team. So make sure you take time to talk with everyone on your team in a way that's not, we have an objective to this meeting. So if it's a 15 minute touch point with your team, do it. It will always be worth it and pay attention to what's important to them. That's kind of the first thing for me, I would say. And then the other thing is, is don't forget the details. That's going to reflect on your PL. You need to be able to speak intelligently about your numbers. And you also need to understand what your team's going through. So I understand that not everybody can get into all the details all the time. That's why you have your teams, but know what's going on. Have your eyes on, on what's going on at all different levels and make sure that you can speak intelligently to what, what the numbers are saying so that you know where you need to focus extra energy and where you may have kind of risks and opportunities in your PL. And then, you know what, I'm going to throw in one last question too. I I was just thinking about this. What from a leadership perspective have you or Fiona or, you know, again, kind of what have you noticed has been so mission critical as you've had to lead through COVID? Oh, that's a good question. So the biggest thing I would say is the virtual world is not working for everybody. I think it's offering a lot of flexibility that we were maybe missing in our lives. Baxter's already a fairly flexible organization, so not a huge impact there, but people are trying to balance being moms, dads, teachers, full-time employees, therapists. They're, They're trying to balance so many hats and they're being asked to do the impossible. And so understanding how in this virtual world, you can still connect with your team. One thing I did last year was we had a weekly meeting with, with my direct reports. And instead of it being business related whatsoever, it was 30 minutes weekly. We picked a random challenge. You basically played a game and joked around on a zoom for 30 minutes. You got points and whoever had the most points got a gift card. And it seems so trivial, but it was probably 30 minutes a week where I saw a large group of people laughed together that I wasn't seeing anywhere else. Right. 
what kind of, what kind of challenge? I mean, tell me, I, I love this idea. <laughs> so we did, um, there's, it's called like draw something online. So we would, that was one week where we were all on a different like whiteboard and you'd have to draw a different picture and then everyone's guessing it and whoever gets it right gets the point there. Oh, cool. And so that was like one week's game. Another one, we did a work from home scavenger hunt. So there was like a bingo card and whoever went and got their item first came back and had that item and they got the point. Amazing. And so it, it was just like silly things that you're trying to navigate. Hey, how do we still have team building virtually? And we would laugh so hard. And like I said, like there, you're not getting together with groups outside of work. You're, you're isolated. And it was the first time where you'd see 10 people all laughing together. And so it was just a really nice kind of midday break that everyone needed. I'm sure it was outside of some people's comfort zones, but it ended up being really great for everybody. You know, I love stories like that though, because what we're missing is all the small talk and the, all the, the little tiny bits of coffee chat. And, and one of the things that I talk about a lot when I'm working with, you know, high potential talent is like relatability matters. So like, if I can anticipate you and I understand you and I see you as relatable, it's easier for me to anticipate how to work for you and how to get things done. So like, if you think of a team on a, on a field, they're all trying to anticipate each other, right? They're trying like, are you throwing me the ball? Or are you not throwing me the ball? Like, you know, it's kind of, we're trying to figure out, oh, does the coach want me to grab the ball? Not, you know? And so we're, a lot of things are happening silently through anticipation. And a lot of that happens through the relationships that we build that make people relatable. Right. Absolutely. And so when you, you know, it's just interesting when you talk about this, because the idea of quote unquote, what might be perceived as wasting a half hour is in my opinion, actually putting all the glue into the tiny little cracks of the team, you know, that might otherwise sure. kind of wear over time. Absolutely. And it's tough. Like I, I don't doubt, I mean, my normal day was eight hours of meetings. And so it's tough to make time for that, but it's worth it in the end. And, and like you said, I do think also at this time with all the mental health, we really do have a true mental health crisis happening. I think you've got people laughing and connecting and feeling connected to a group. I think that's probably some of the best, the best thing that you can create for people right now. Absolutely. And I, I just kind of one closing point. I think the big piece that COVID has, has challenged as well is a big thing with office dynamics is you look at kind of impact versus intent. And so when you're emailing or you're instant messaging all the time, I know I can speak for myself. It, you're very direct. Your emails don't have small talk in them. They don't have that quick chat walking by somebody's office. And so I think sometimes you lose a little bit of your personability that you wouldn't necessarily have lost if you were in the office. And so that's been a, another challenge navigating that I think people will naturally get better at. They'll find better ways to, to interact virtually and they'll be more intentional kind of when they are chatting with people and, and just trying to remember that, hey, there's a, there's a person behind there and, and we've got to take a step back and always remember that when we're sitting in front of a screen. It's true. And even, you know, again, going back to your team building piece, like when you're trying to deal with conflict, if we're dealing with it over email and, or the only time that you have a zoom meeting is because there's something difficult, it can be again, very, very tough for people to actually navigate tough conversations. But if you've more recently had a laugh, a giggle, a joke, you can start those tough conversations with like, by the way, that was the best cat drawing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, warm up the room a little bit and again, feel like you've got some relatability and then you can kind of tackle a tough conversation with a little more emotional intelligence, right? 
Absolutely. Yep. And it's, and it's a lot easier when you can just walk by somebody's office and, and pop your head in. And so it's just remembering how to do that when that's not your opportunity. Amazing. Laura, anything else you want to add as we bring this to close? No, I, I think just thank you for, for the resource that you've provided. I think it's going to be kind of invaluable to those who are looking to further their leadership skills. And I hope it gets shared with more people so that we can continue to, to hear everybody else's different perspectives and experiences. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And this is truly passionate, like a passion project for me. I, I'm not kidding when I say that when I see the opportunity to interview people like you about your stories, I, you know, it makes my day. It, it fires me up. So it's just fun to do something that naturally is quite enjoyable for me selfishly. Yeah. <laughs> and then it also happens to be a great resource for you. And uh, so, like I said, that's, that's the magic. It's a win-win all the way around. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having me on and, and I appreciate all that you're doing. Amazing. Thank you. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.